Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 79. Uh, Today is an exciting day for me, and I I think I've been saying that a lot on a lot of these podcasts, but today is an exciting day because uh, I actually went to school with my guest today a long, long time ago. Not too long. (laughs) Hopefully not too long. I think I passed my... At least my fifteenth, maybe my twentieth. Oh no! Yeah, it's it, it's adding up there. So yeah. uh, I'm really excited to bring uh, our our guest today, Josh Juarez. Uh, what started for as a small uh, college summer job has uh, become a Tulsa summer staple for the last fourteen years. Yeah. So this is some. This will be summer number fourteen. Yeah, for I the think. last fourteen years, Josh's Snow Shack, Josh Josh's. It's a tongue t- Snow twister. Shack has been creating more than just a cool summer treat. He's helping customers create memories and creating a culture that starts with him and is impacting the lives of his team and his customers. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience, and if you don't mind, tell them a little bit about yourself. Hello, everyone. Uh, Thanks for having me here. Um, So I started it in 2005, Josh's Snow Shack, and really kind of the goal was, was twofold. Um, one, I was a poor college student and I thought I could help me get through college, but two, I'd been dating, uh, it's now my wife, Angie, um, King was her main name, but we'd been dating since high school and I thought, let's be crazy and get married, but I couldn't afford that. And so we were hoping that we could just live as poor college students and get through college and I would kind of pay for it through the business. And so I started it, I had worked for... Um, a guy who I actually occasionally hang out with now um, for about three or four summers as a, as a high school student when I was a freshman in high school I think I got that job and I worked for a few summers and then he closed his down and I went off to school my freshman year and then came back and thought I can do this and so I started Josh's and then um, and then we fast forward to now and we've got uh, 10 locations across Oklahoma and and we do about an average of 100 events a month during the peak season um, of the summer. So we'll do birthday parties, weddings, things like that. And and getting from, I guess, there to here is kind of what we're going to talk about today. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to, to share the story. Well, I, I've kind of followed at a, at a distance for a long time. We just recently reconnected. But uh, when I first heard that you were you were doing a business, I always thought, oh, that's nice. It's, it's kind of like when you have a friend in high school and they're mowing yards and you're like, oh, well, good. They're getting some entrepreneurial experience, but I don't know that I ever made the connection that this could actually be a a business that you could actually um, grow and have multiple locations and almost get to the point of uh, like a a franchise type model. Yeah. So for you, like, at what point did you realize this, this act you were onto something? Did you realize that this is actually something that you could continue to do as opposed to just It'll help you get through college. Yeah, so I, I was with you when I started at 
it was like, oh, this is a nice little thing I can do, and it can it can really help us get through it. And I always compared year to year, like that. What made me, what motivated me to start it was one, I knew how to do it. I knew how to do most everything, um, or at least I thought I did. And then when I got into it, I was like, oh. There's other things that you don't know anything about. And so, um, which I think everyone can kind of understand in life. But, and it was always, I had weighted tables and I thought, I can make more doing this than I can waiting tables. And it might only be two bucks more an hour, but I get to make my, I'm like, I'm in here and I'm sitting in this little shack and I'm meeting people and I enjoyed it. And so that first summer, it was, it was definitely not realize it was it was a summer thing where I think in that summer I learned how to play the guitar I learned how to play the harmonica I read a lot and I met a lot of people but it was just killing time sitting in there kind of every day I'd show up I'd be there from you know noon to the first few weeks we were open I wanted to be open till midnight because like you said at the beginning my goal was to create a space for people to go, especially young people, to hang out. Because I remember being in high school and always thinking, there's nothing to do in Tulsa. And so me and some of my friends would literally go to places like, um, what was it? Like, we'd go to like Hobby Lobby and like <laughs> sit in a random little, <laughs> these chairs and play cards and stuff. Because like, there was just nothing to do. And so I remember thinking, I want to create a place where people can come, just hang out. And so we had like tiki torches and we had, I mean, all things that probably you're not allowed to do. And, and I was 19, so I didn't really think of any, any, you know, any thoughts of, oh, I shouldn't do this. I was like, I'll just do it. And I remember saying, we're going to be open until midnight because we want to have a place for people to go. And my dad came into town and was like, you know, you're a mostly cash business in the middle of, of a city. Maybe it's not an you know, ideal to stay open that late. And so we ended up kind of curbing the hours to like 10.30 or 11. So we, we, we brought him back a little bit. But, um, but yeah, all that to say is I, it was all kind of as I went just being, I'm making more than I could waiting tables and that's enough for me. And, and then it got a little busier and we started building some customer base. And what was so crazy is I worked for for a friend, you know, or for a guy who wasn't a friend then, but just an acquaintance, uh, for, for a few years. And I loved it so much that people, I would really take care of customers when I was just 16, 17. And customers would come up and say, you know, we only come when we see your car because we know it'll be good. And it was kind of like within me that anything I do, I'm going to just like get absorbed into it. I'm going to learn about it and I'm going to do it the best I can. It's just my personality. And so I remember, you know, calling the owner and being like, hey, I can't get the ice the way I want it. And he'd be like, okay, well, maybe try this or try that. But I actually cared about every single element of the business when I just worked for a guy. And so then when I opened my own, we didn't really have a name on it because I couldn't afford signage. So it was like an old tropical snow. So there was that kind of branding, but there was also Josh. It was just really poor. It was so bad. I mean, it was so bad, but, um, but it was all I had. And so people would come by and they'd be like, did you used to work at this other one, you know, a few miles down the road? I'm like, yes. I'm like, we remember you. We used to come. And then we would kind of build that relationship back up and they'd be like, oh my gosh, this is so cool that you're doing your own thing. And there was probably, you know, that first summer, maybe 30, 40, 50 people that were like that, that remembered me from the other one. And so then they would invite their friends and, and I, it was just me and them. So we would just, we had no customers. I mean, it would be like a customer every, you know, 20 minutes. It'd be pretty dead. And so I would just spend 
the whole time talking to this person while they ate their snow cone until the next person came and I developed that relationship. And so I was always kind of passionate about whatever I did. And so I think because I kind of did that, I realized, well, at the very least, I really enjoy doing it. I'm making more money than I could doing anything else, so I might as well keep doing it. And then about, the, I think the second season we opened there, I think it was, um, had to have been like June, early June, because I think the World Cup was going on. Um, but either way, it was, it was June, and I get a call. My si- who's now my sister-in-law, was working for us as well. She was helping us out a few nights a week. And so she was working, and she called me, and she was like, Josh, there's like 50 people in line. I can't do this. And I was like, what? We had never had a line like that. And I was like, okay, we'll be there in a little bit. So we went there, and we were like, what is happening? And at that moment, it was like, okay, we can actually make money doing this thing. And so we got through that, and then all of a sudden, it just became that thing that you did on a summer night, and we'd start having 20, 30, 40 people in line every you know, summer night. And so I was like, holy cow, and we were doing all right, and, and, uh, me, and me, me and my wife, we actually got married uh, after that first summer that I opened. And I waited tables all winter still, and I think for the next four or five winters I waited. I waited tables just to kind of subsidize. And so, um, and so we're going to college and all that stuff, but that line built up, and then I was like, well, maybe we should open another one. And people would start coming up and saying, you need to open one of these over here or over there. And they would tell us a random spot. And so we would kind of listen and be like, okay, I guess we'll look over there. So we went and looked over at 91st and Memorial. And we were like, okay, we could do something here. We did that, opened that one as our second location. And then a random individual um, came up and was like, hey, would you like to open one in my parking lot at 61st and Memorial? We did that. And then we started really knocking on doors. And what was so crazy is through once we had two, three locations, I was like, I was, I guess by the time we opened our third location, I, maybe the fourth location, I was just graduating college. And so I decided, I was like, well, I'll just go get my mat. I'll just keep going to school because this gig works pretty well. Like, <laughs> it gives me something to do. I keep getting educated. And I keep paying for it through this. And my wife was a nurse. And so um, she was working a little bit when she graduated. And so we were still like, money wasn't super tight, but when you're just two people living alone, you don't need much. And so it was kind of this perfect time to build something because we didn't need a lot. And so um, so we kept building it. And then about the fourth location, I was like, okay, we can actually make money doing this. Like I can actually, this can be a job. And I remember thinking like probably when I was a sophomore, junior in college, I remember thinking like this will end because I would wear flip-flops every day and a t-shirt, <laughs> you know. And I was like, and one day I'm going to go work over there in a suit and tie and I had this vision of myself like I'm gonna be a real businessman you know and and that day still doesn't come so I still wear flip-flops every day but but that's kind of you know was always the thing where when I finished my master's at OSU I I remember thinking well maybe now I need to really start going out there I've owned a business and and I just remember thinking like I don't want to do I really like what I do and through this whole timeline Kind of what happened is I think when you start a business, you have a goal and you have an idea of what you want it to be, and then you actually get into it and that, that evolves, and then you actually develop a, a genuine mission because you're doing something, and you develop a genuine uh, reason for existence, a reason for why you want to do what you do. And that's kind of what happened about the fifth or sixth year. I remember we just were doing stuff, and we had great employees. We would hang out. like It would be, you know, 
midnight or 11 o'clock and one of our employees would be like, hey, you know, Batman's premiering tonight. I'm like, okay, let's go. I'll pay for everyone. And so we'd go, go see this premiere and we'd take them out. We'd have 15, 20 employees at that point. And, and we would just do this stuff together. And even the first two summers, we would literally close and it was me, my wife, um, my sister-in-law, a, a friend of hers, and maybe two friends of mine that were running the two or three locations. It was a real small team. And we would all just work all day, every day, pretty much. <laughs> and, um, and, but every, every night after we closed, like, hey, you guys wanna go to Cheddar's? Or you guys wanna go longboard, you know, down, you know, wherever? And so we would hang out and we'd wake up. I remember like the life of no kids, but like we'd wake <laughs> up, I'd wake up at like 11 a.m. And we'd be, we have to open at 12. And so then I'd run and get the ice, get everything set up. And then just to open on the nick of time and then stay up until 10.30. And it would be the same, we just do it day after day. But like, I remember staying up till two or three in the morning with all these people hanging out. And so that kind of was a natural part of our culture. It was always gonna be that. So now it's a little more structured. So because we realized there was value there, well now we have for the season, we're gonna go see these three movie premieres, we're gonna rent out a movie theater, we're gonna take all of our, you know, invite all 50 employees and 30 will show up or so. And, and we're gonna do kickball night at midnight at, and we're gonna get a lighted, we'll go down to like a lighted field and they'll light it up for us, we'll play kickball for a couple hours. We'll do dodgeball, we'll do water fight night. And we do these things because it was always, it, now it's just more structured. Now it's more, we're doing this because we know that we wanna create a great place for people to work and we really, our, our mission is real simple. It's, we just want to create summer experiences for Tulsa. And so whether that's through snow cones or whether that's through creating a great job for our employees, we want everyone who experiences Josh's to look back at that summer and say, man, remember all those nights we spent at the shack? Or remember all those random movie premieres we went to or kickball night or dodgeball night? So our employees, we push that to them so that they look back and it's crazy because I have kids who, who worked for me and one is, is pretty big time at CNN now, and he's in Atlanta. And then one is, is working for consulting uh, Deloitte, but down in D.C. doing big, big stuff. And another is a local engineer here doing big things. I mean, these are kids who are doing bigger things than I've ever done. I mean, they're doing amazing things. And, I, and they, I will talk to them, okay, we'll talk about once a year, and they'll be like, man, those summers were the best summers. <laughs> and they probably put in 20 hours a week. You know, it was a part-time job, but they would, and they'll tell me, I learned so much from that Josh's experience that I carry over into my current situation. And one is super hardcore about it. We'll get lunch about twice a year and he'll be like, man, seriously, you are offering so many transferable skills to these kids. And, and I didn't realize that. So now that I do, we just, we just define it. And then we say, okay, this is what we're doing now. So when we'll have our, our, our kind of onboarding or, or team, you know, with any individual, we'll say, this is our goal for you as an individual. This is our goal for you as an employee. This is our goal for you, you know, through the summer. And we'll, we'll express those now. And so what was always kind of internal values now become espoused values that you actually are saying, this is what we're doing and why we're doing it because we've seen it over here. And so all that to say is that like, back to the original question of when did you realize it was going to be a business? It just became, you know, it just all of a sudden was like, oh, this is a real business and we do have core value. And like going to school and learning about core values and all those, you know, things, def definitions you have to, you know, regurgitate. You start to be like, oh, we did that. We just didn't say we were doing it. And so you look back after 13 years, you're like, 
we've got that, we've got kind of HR, we've kind of got PR, we've kind of got marketing, we've got, and, and it's, it's just a little more organically created. So um, all that to say is probably about the fifth year, it was like, yeah, this is a real thing. And at that point, I think that was probably maybe year six, and I read um, Start With Why, which is probably one of my, one of my favorite books in the sense that it, it helped me formulate or, or formalize, if that's a word, that's a word maybe. Yeah. Um, this is what we're doing. And, and, and I remember like listening to it and, and his whole, his taglines, like people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And he talked a lot about Apple and things like that. But whenever, whenever I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, this, that's, that's what it was. And that's when I came up with, we want to create great summer experiences for Tulsa. And, and his thing is, with Apple is they want to create, what is it, uh, beautiful products that challenge the status quo, I think, is Apple's. Well, their mission has nothing to do with computers, with tech. With, they just want to create beautiful products that challenge the status quo. And I remember thinking about that and being like, yeah, I don't want my mission to be we make the best snow cones in the world. We want it to be beyond that. And I think as we've, as we've said this is what we're doing, we have it on our website, and everything, every employee knows that's what our mission is or our, our why or whatever whatever you want to call it. Every employee knows. So when they now work and they interact with a, with a employee or with a customer, they're trying to create that. And so that's why they're asking you, how's your day going? Where are you headed to? What have you been doing this week? You got any big summer plans? And they're asking all these questions because for them, this is, I'm giving you an experience. And we've realized that people will drive from McAllister, from an hour or two. There are people who will drive an hour or two just to come to Josh's because they read about it, they heard about it or whatever. And so we want to treat every customer like they've driven an hour or two. So we want to give them that. And so even though there's an hour line, you know, people are waiting an hour in line, every customer that comes up is hopefully getting that. Now, we don't do it perfectly every time we fail sometimes, but that's what every employee is kind of carrying on their back. Like, okay, I'm doing, I'm creating a, a summer, a positive summer experience for them. And so then when people are waiting in line, we've talked about that, like, and people have to wait, and they're, I'm friends would come up and say, I never come because the line's too long. And I would be like, well, how can we fix that? We could go faster, and we have a really good process. Like, our processes are really good. But we're going as fast as we can, and we're doing more snow cones than I would think any other company in America could do. Like, I think we do more at a, at a really quality um, uh, offering than most do. Um, and so, so, so with all that, I think we're, our process is good. And I was... And a friend would say, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop. But then I started realizing that's part of the experience. Like you go out there with your family or with your friends, and now that I have kids, I know that's hard. So we have locations that are not quite as busy. But if you go to a location that's got a big line, it actually is part of the thing because you get in line and what are you gonna do for the next 30 minutes to an hour? You're gonna talk to your friends and you're gonna maybe, oh I see a friend and you'll go talk to them. And now all of a sudden they get to the front of the line and it, it was a wait but it was a different type of wait. At least that's what we think happens. <laughs> um, and that's why people get, that's why people will wait is because it's like, I got nothing, it's a summer night. I'm outside, the weather's beautiful. If it's not too hot, especially if it's nighttime. So why not just be outside standing up and talking? And so we've kind of tried to figure out ways to make that part of the experience, whether it's through, you know, one of our employees going out there and handing out stickers or coupons and things like that where it's like, hey, thanks for coming out tonight. We're trying to engage with them while they're in the line so they think, oh, that's cool. And I think Disney World is probably the best at that where you're gonna wait an hour for some 
five second ride or whatever it is, but the whole line, you've got all these murals and all these experiences that you're interacting with and it becomes part of the overall thing. And so, um, so we're trying to do that at our busier locations, but the truth is, is if you don't want to wait in line, like we have probably three locations that never have more than two or three people in line. So it's like, go there if you don't want to wait and it's only a couple miles down the road. Um, so yeah, sorry, got off topic there. (laughs) I realized it was a business in the fifth or sixth year and I said, yes, I'm going to keep doing this until people don't want it anymore. Uh, I'm so glad that you shared all that. I have a a page full of notes now, (laughs) so I'm going to try to crack through some of them and and, and try to uh, cover some of the other things. But, um, first of all, that that's the beauty of the podcast is people have the ability to go back and listen to all that over and over and again, because there's really a lot of fantastic uh, nuggets or clues, like I would call it clues that success leaves behind that if you really dissect it, I think you can learn a lot, no matter if your product is snow cones or if it's a retail store, or if you're just selling widgets, whatever it is, there's so much stuff in there that I think anybody can apply to their business and really look at the entire customer experience and that's what's really going to separate your product for, from from another product. Um, kind of going back to the, the very beginning part of it, it all started with a need. You had a need, right? And your your need was uh, we're going to Hobby Lobby, which that, that <laughs> would I love the idea of Hobby Lobby. I just can't I can't stay in there for a while. <laughs> yeah. It stresses me out. For, I don't know why, but you were hanging out there, and you're just like, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we could create these this experience and just a place to go? And so that was where your vision came from, and then. Um, you became passionate about it, and I think that passion overflowed into your customers, and from there, that's really the catalyst that carried everything through. I think if you had just been a snow cone vendor, yeah, that it wouldn't have been what it was, but you cared so much about it, and you even said it, you were working for somebody else, and because you enjoyed it so much, and because you uh, were so involved in having it a certain way, that you had people that would actually come to that location because they saw your car there. Right. And that's, that's awesome. So uh, you talked about that. You talked about culture and just uh, some of the organic culture that happened, but be, but figuring out that that culture was important. Right. And, being, or, uh, and growing it organically, but then being intentional with it once you realize that it worked. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about culture here, but just that goes to show the importance of culture because when you have, especially multiple locations, there's only one Josh. Right. There, you cannot replicate yourself. And so having uh, some sort of process or vision or you even you could call, said goals for your employees, I thought that was great because uh, as you're onboarding and you're hiring for that, you're, you're telling them right up front exactly what you're expecting of them. And again, these things sound like common sense. And I'm sure you read them in your college classes mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But when you actually apply it to your product and what you're actually doing, I feel like a light bulb goes off differently in that it, it goes from being common sense to that's why that works. Like I really understand it and I really can grasp onto that. Right. And, and all those things, it's funny because it's not, it's not an exact way it's going to work everywhere. So for instance, like we will we'll learn these things when we're studying or in school or whatever, but it doesn't really make sense because it may not work just like that. So for instance, it's like, you gotta have a mission. Well, maybe you don't have to have a mission. Like maybe maybe you can go five years without having a, a, a formal mission. Maybe that's okay, because then you're developing it. And so it's kind of one of those things where you learn these, I, I think business school especially, you learn things in a lot of absolutes. And I really don't believe business is, 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 is absolutes. It's like so much gray and one thing works in one way and one thing doesn't work. 
And so figuring those things out for your specific business is all part of the process. And I think it's one that should be um, one should, one that should be like this is a journey. It's an adventure. I get to I get to figure it out as opposed to I got to have my all these statements out. I have to have all these values. Out. I have to have all these you know processes out. It's like sometimes stuff just has to kind of figure itself out, yeah. and I, I'm okay with that. Um, but uh, but yeah. So so I think that was kind of the thing for me. It became alive when it was alive for my specific company. And I have a kid who started at Josh's out in Stillwater and, and he's running, I mean, it's his business. And he's in, he's in business school and he's an, he's an accounting major as well. He's kind of double majoring. Really smart kid and we were talking. He's like, man, I learned more this last summer about <laughs> life, yeah. about life, business, entrepreneurship than I have in any, any you know, accounting class or any business class. And even the accounting side of things. I remember being in accounting in school and hating it and being like, this is so dumb. But I finally took tax one year and it was during, I was my third, fourth year into business, into the business. I was like, this class is awesome. Tax, like it applies. <laughs> like I'm learning about what these things do for I'm my business. That revelation. Exactly. No, no, man. Honestly, I look back at all my college classes and tax was probably my favorite class because it helped me figure out how to do this thing better and ask my accountant the right questions and understand why we're doing what we're doing and building, you know, things. So all that to say is like, but had I not had the business, I'm like, gosh, another class, another accounting yeah. class. And so I think, you know, business should be alive and it, and it shouldn't be something, you, uh, it's hard to learn out of a book, I really do think, um, especially going through it for so long. And, um, and so I think when you, if you can figure out a way, especially if you're in college or you're right out of college, if you can start something no matter what it is, if it's some, something small and it brings you in 10 bucks extra a month, it doesn't matter. Just doing that thing will make everything more alive, personally, I think that. Well, you so. have the practical application side. Exactly. So when you're taking those classes and you're actually going through it, you can apply it to what you're going through. And in some cases, you're like, hey, man, I was kind of struggling with it. Now I have a resource that I can go to. Uh, I have a theory, and I haven't tested this theory yet because I haven't gone back to school. But uh, my theory is if I were to go back to school now and get my master's or uh, add on to my degree, that I would actually really, really enjoy every single class and every single chapter that I read as opposed to before dreading every single part of it. Because now I've been in business, I've gone through that, and now I'm in a situation where I'm like, I, I've already done this. Yeah. I just haven't had a term for it. Or right. I just haven't had an actual name for it. And as you kind of go through that side of it, I think it reinvigorates and almost ignites that passion a little bit more yeah. to where it'll overflow into things that you don't necessarily love to do. Right. Well, and I think I read an article just yesterday about Richard Branson, um, the guy who started Virgin Airlines and records and all that stuff. But he said um, something to the extent of, I didn't know the difference between net and gross until I was 40 or 50 or something like that. And he's like, and until someone literally took a piece of paper with crayons and drew a guy fishing with a net and showing all the fish out, you know, and he was just kind of making the comment like, sometimes you don't have to know what every little term means, but but if you if you are, are going after something and you're doing it really, really well and you're developing people, then everything will work itself. It's gonna work itself out. Those little things will work itself out. But he was kind of just making a joke about it and I feel like that's kind of what it was for me when I was going through school and, and business at the same time. There were still classes that I would just regurgitate to get through, but then I remember being in, in you know, later on doing class and being like, 
oh, and it would make me think about my business. Even if it didn't directly apply, it would make me be like, okay, cool, this is cool. So I, I would say yes, I think you would enjoy it a lot more. And I even see that with me, like looking back at high school, like I was really good at memorizing and regurgitating, that was my thing. So I didn't really ever learn, you know, the way I should have. But now my kids are doing stuff and I'm like, I wanna, I wanna learn more about geometry, I wanna, I wanna learn more about, you know, algebra, I wanna, I, I, these things are fun now, you know, so it's just, it's different, but yeah. Well, that's awesome. I want to kind of uh, move a little bit on cool. from the topic because uh, we're still on my first question, mm. technically. Sorry, man. But it's okay. Um, one of the things that I've, as I've kind of done a little bit of research about Josh's and uh, just everyone that I interact with when I when I talk about Josh's Snow Shack, I, everyone says the same word, and it's love. They absolutely love Josh's Snow Shack. I'm, I'm going to get that. You got it. Say it quickly. You got but, it. Uh, they absolutely love it. So it's you've already kind of talked a little bit about uh, the culture. You've already talked a little bit about your passion for it. So now you have 10 locations. How do you translate and be intentional with making every single person, no matter it's the first customer of the day, the last customer of the day, beginning of the season, end of the season, uh, the furthest location away, how do you get everybody to just have the same experience where they love Josser's? So that that's one of those things where like you hope your personality bleeds bleeds over to, to other employees. But like we our hiring process is fairly um, I guess we'll just say ridiculous for what we do. I think if anyone outside of of Tulsa said, Wait, you you, you do go through all that to hire someone to work at a snow cone stand, they would think <laughs> we're crazy. Because we'll go through, we'll go, I mean, just to get an interview, you have to two applications. Then after the interview, you might have two or three interviews, and then you'll have a working interview. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, we want to make sure that we at least get someone who can get to the place where we want them to be. And what's what's wild is if you know me, I'm fairly extroverted, I'm fairly conversational. I'm, if you meet me for the first time, we could probably have a conversation for a couple hours and have a great time, no matter who you are. That's just my personality. But we hire kids like our gene, our, the our number two. She's been with us for I don't know, eleven years now. Um, I mean, she's amazing. She runs this business for. I mean, she's amazing. Um, her name's Zena. She was not that. We hired her, and for the first summer, it was like she wouldn't talk to customers. She was quiet. She was. I mean, and I remember even we laugh about it now, but like saying. And I just don't think she's gonna work out next summer. I just don't think, but she was always available. She tried her hardest, worked really hard. And then over time, we'd hang out more, we'd start talking, we'd, and we just kind of developed her. And now you, you wouldn't know that person from this person. She's assertive, she makes sure, she's our QA on everything. I mean, quality assurance right. starts and ends with her. She has built our, our event side of things to, to be a major, I mean, one of our biggest components of our entire business is events. And we literally went from doing one event, two events a summer, to now we're doing 100 a month. And so it's kind of one of the, one of those things where it's like she was at the, at the base of that. I mean, she built that. And so we've developed this person into this, and she's been a part of it. She's changed us a lot, helped us grow, helped us see things a little differently. And so, so it's kind of one of those things that if people will be present and, and they are willing to grow and willing to learn, then give me anybody, man, like, yeah. and we'll make them into this, we'll, 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 we'll transform them. And I think that starts with bringing people on and saying expectations. Now, these are things I didn't know until just five years ago, six years ago. <laughs> but one, expectations has to be really, really clear of what we expect. 
Um, processes have to be really, really defined. This is what you do. This is how you do it. Um, and we're still working on this, man. I, I do not have any of this perfected. Um, but, but making sure people know this is what's expected of you. So you might have a kid who's really introverted and they don't like to talk to people. And they need to be at a shack and they need to be talking to the customer. That's a big ask. Yeah. And so we start them out in a place where, you know what, you don't have to talk. You just got to do this thing. We'll have three people working at a time during a big line. You just just get do the, do the grunt work, get everything stocked up so that the other two can do their job. And they'll hang out with them. And we won't put them in that position until they're ready. And if they, if they do get put in that position where they have to talk to customers, then we'll come by or I'll come by. One of our managers will come by and say, okay, how are things going? And we'll give them. Here's four phrases you can say. Like, these are easy ones. How's your day going? Where are you headed? I mean, it's basic stuff, but that will hopefully spur on other things. And what's crazy is to see a kid who literally is scared to death to talk to people at the beginning of the summer. By the end of the summer, they're having 20-minute conversations because September comes and it dies. And so you'll have a, you know, someone eat their entire snow cone just talking to one of our one of our people, and that person kind of transforms. And it's like that's pretty cool to see that that we've we've helped them develop that and now when they go on to the next spot when they interview they're going to be so much more confident and we have so many kids who who started out one way and now you wouldn't recognize them whether that's introvert or whether that's crap work ethic and it's transformed to like okay i'm working hard or a kid i mean there's two kids for sure that i want there's one kid yeah, he lives in LA now and I've told him this, but I've said, dude, I wanted to fire you the first summer. <laughs> and now, because he would, he would be late, he would show up, whatever. And he's probably one of my favorite people. Like when I went out, I had to fly through there. I was like, let's get lunch. And, and then another kid, man, who was just like, I mean, I think he showed up in a bad state a couple times where he should be fired, <laughs> but he's one of my favorite people and he lives out you know, in another state now. And if I ever go out there, I'm like, let's hang out. If he comes to Tulsa, we'll get lunch. And it's just one of those things where kids, I think, need role models. And I think they need people to hold them to a higher standard and say, you're better than this or you can get to this level. And I think when they see that and they have people that they can kind of look up to and admire, they, they will develop, they will grow. Um, it's, it's when you say that they can't do it or it's when we have this negative outlook on every quote-unquote millennial or every teenager, quote-unquote. It's like when we start labeling them all of a sudden, it's like they're going to live to that if that's how you want to yeah. see them. But we, man, we believe our entire business is built on high school and college students and we wouldn't be here without them. So it's like, man, we believe in them and, and we try to get good ones from the start um, and develop them into even better. But if we don't get the best one, I really do think we've done a pretty good job at developing them. So how do you balance that? Because I think if, if I remember correctly, you get a lot of applications for mm -hmm. people to work there. And so you only take a very small amount. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you kind of filter that down to where you see somebody that has potential? Maybe they're not all the way there, but then, I mean, you have so many other candidates. Is it just it's really hard to find good people or it, is it uh, you actually are intentional with certain ones that you want to develop and you see something in them? So I kind of have a theory that like if you are, there's going to be a really great um, opportunity for young people, I mean even our age, who are willing to say, I will hustle, I will grind, I will make it happen, I will do whatever you ask and I'm available, I'm just available. Those people I think have the greatest opportunity because they, they, they learn how to work, they learn how to be held to a certain kind of level and then they develop and they grow. And so we have kids who, who, for instance, the balance would be this. We'll have a kid 
and we'll interview them and we're like, that is a Josh's person. And we'll look at their availability and we'll say, they're available on Wednesdays from three to four. It's like, that's it. But they fit our culture. They'd come in, they'd be friends with everybody. They would help. When they're there, they're gonna be awesome. And then we'll have a kid who is really quiet and, and maybe not the, the perfect Josh's fit, you know, as what you would expect, but they're super available. And so what we'll kind of do is we will hire maybe 10 of those really available people and four or five of those really, you know, who are just the perfect natural culture fit. And, and our thought is, is that you got to have some personality naturally, but these other kids who are maybe a little quieter, who are un unsure, they have a personality. This needs to be squeezed out. It needs to be brought out. And I know when they're with their little, you know, two or three friends, they're crazy and outgoing. So it's like, you gotta just figure out a way to pull that out of them. And so what we found is, you know, you putting people together, great friendships within the business will form. And we've had marriages out of, out of the shack. We've had best, friend, best men and weddings out of the shack. I mean, it's crazy. Um, and so these, these, you're in a small little, you know, 70 square foot space. So it's like, you gotta get to know each other. But it's the, the the best part is seeing people that you would never that would never hang out outside of the shack, and all of a sudden you see that they're like best friends, and it's like what? Who would have ever thought? And I love that because you're getting people from different walks of life who are pulling different things out of one another, and that's how we get that culture because you have kids who who shouldn't be hanging out together hanging out, and I think when that happens people grow and they see, oh, maybe I don't need to be so loud and obnoxious all the time. Mm -hmm. Or they'll see, maybe I just need to get out of my comfort zone and, and go for it. And so you kind of get this, this perfect balance. So we really do try to hire for fit like every company does, hire for culture fit. But we also temper that with, you know what? We don't want a hundred extroverts working for us. We don't want the same type of person where we want diversity because people who think a little differently come from different backgrounds. That's how you get the best out of everyone. So we try our best to be purposeful about it. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, if you're a teenager and you're listening to this, like delete, you know, kissy pictures with your boyfriend or girlfriend, that's going to be a no-go. Like if you're making out on your Facebook page, it's not happening. I'm not going to hire you. Um, have some discretion there and represent yourself well, um, at least on social platforms, because it's all out there. And so when we'll, we'll tell them, hey, we want to connect with you on social media. Can we do that? Yeah, sure. Here's my social media. And so, but we have kids who won't give us their stuff and then we'll literally just Google their name and it's like pops up and it's just like, oh my gosh. So all I say, everything's out there. Um, and I know it's a real uh, big ethics question in the, in the business world right now is how much can we, should we look at for social media? How should that impact our stuff? Um, but it's out there and it will impact people's decisions about who you are and, and, and what they think about you. So um, clean that up as much as you can if you're a teenager. And, and, and if not, when they get to an interview, we do group interviews. So it'll be me, my manager, my wife, um, maybe another couple managers just kind of rotating who's available. And we'll, we'll interview three or four people at the same time. And so what's cool is we do that because you're hanging out with people all the time. We don't want to see if you're really insecure, or you're, you're nervous, and you're a one-on-one -on -one with someone, that's really intimidating for a teenager or a high school or college student. 
But if you've got two or three other people that can kind of all field questions at the same time, you kind of get a little, at least we think, a better perspective of how they're going to be around other people. You know, we like to see who's going to answer first, who's going to answer last. We want both those people, you know. We don't always want the person answers first. But, so it kind of gives us an idea. So our interview process helps us helps us definitely figure that out. And, um, and so, yeah, uh, the culture thing is, is definitely as purposeful as we can be. We don't always get it right. And, you know, sometimes we miss really great people. Uh, and, and that's the hardest thing for any business to realize, like, man, we miss that person and they're not working for us. <laughs> and sometimes we get people who are like, crap, they're not going to work out, you know, and that's just part of business. So. The funny thing about all this is that you're in the snow cone business mm-hmm. and we're talking so heavily on people. And like, I was actually thinking while you were talking, I was like, Josh is in the people business. Exit. That's all it is. It's between the customers and the employees and everything else. You just happen to sell snow cones. Exactly. And I love that. Like, I think I get a lot, I naturally have these insecurities about what I do because I'm like, I'm just selling sugar and water. <laughs> like, that's literally Delicious what I do for, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, it's good. But that's what I, and so I have these moments where I'm like, am I a real business person? Am I a real entrepreneur? Am I, or did I just get lucky? And so we have these insecurities, but that's what makes me even want to invest more into process and people and things like that. Because I feel like when you do that, it kind of affirms, no, like you said, we're in the people business. And the truth is almost every business is a people business. And, and if you can take care of people, whether it's your customer, your employee, then I think you're going to be okay as, as, a, as an entrepreneur. Well, you have all those different relationships that you're building, and that carries through all the way through. So uh, I, would, I would definitely uh, encourage you that don't ever question yourself in terms of, am I a real business person? Am I matching up to that vision <laughs> yeah. myself? Because between you and, and uh, the guy that I talked to in the previous podcast, Jared, um, I almost have to kind of pinch myself a little bit and say there are jobs and careers and, and things out there that, just they're just fun and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times people get hung up on this idea of well my job needs to be me in a suit uh, you know traveling a couple times a week and I have to drive this car and I have to live in this house and those are like in my opinion what other people kind of classify what it should be but when people have the opportunity to hear from you and hear from Jared they can hear that there is a job that you can do that you can be so passionate about it that it doesn't feel like a job it's something that you just enjoy doing and then beyond that, you get to actually help other people. And I think that's where a lot of fulfillment comes. For sure. Because I would say, especially uh, with you talking about how you stay connected with past employees, uh, I think that that's where that people business comes into play even more because we haven't said the word yet, but I would say that you're doing a lot of mentorship uh, yeah. in the shack. And, and it's just so cool to see a practical, easy application of that. And then hopefully this is inspiring other people that as they're listening to it, they're saying, man, what, what can I do with the set of skills or the things that I'm passionate about? And how can I create that experience, have that vision? And I know it doesn't have to be perfect to start off because yours wasn't perfect oh, to absolutely, start off. Yeah. And I think that that's a great testament to people who are maybe uh, suffering from analysis paralysis. They're sitting there going, well, it has to be this. It has to be that. It has to be these things. It has to be perfect before I can launch it. And I think that your story is a perfect story of uh, taking imperfect action and when you do that, that's actually going to allow you to have that organic culture created, that organic mission created, that organic people development created. So now you have this great platform, you have this great business, uh, you have a really good product too, and everything is kind of coming together now 
to where I think you're starting to realize that you don't have to be that, that business right, person. You don't have sure. to be that, that, that thing that you thought that you needed to be. And I would venture to say that there's people listening, and I'll go ahead and put myself in that category, that look to what you're doing and say, man, I wish I was doing something <laughs> yeah. like that. It, it just sounds yeah. fun. Dude, and it is. And I feel like that's kind of the where I kind of have that revelation, and it's kind of sobering of like, I just look, and I'm like, I just feel overwhelmingly thankful and, and gracious for everyone in Tulsa who's, who's supported it. But then also you say, like, man, I don't deserve this. And I really do think, man, it's overwhelming sometimes to think this is what I do for a living. And it's a blast. And, like, it's there is a seasonal element to it. I do get a good chunk of time off um, where I can I can invest in other ideas and things like that. So it's the perfect thing that, that I really do... Uh, you know, think, man, I'm the luckiest person in the world. <laughs> and so, uh, so Tulsa, keep buying snow cones so I can keep doing this. There and we'll you go. Be good. <laughs> well, I will say this. I mean, like I said, uh, I, I've hit definitely hit a pattern of, of people that feel like they're the luckiest. And I would, I would venture to agree with every single one of them that they are because they've found something that they're uniquely passionate about, something that they're good at, and they've leaned into it and it's created this amazing thing. Josh, I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Uh, you kind of know who they are. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit, and I think a lot of them are people that you talk to on a day-to-day -day basis. So yeah. I want to give you kind of the last word as we close this out uh, to talk directly to the audience and, and really tell them what your message is for young business leaders. Yeah, so for, for college students you know, and anyone just getting out of college, I think the hardest part is, is getting from idea to actually doing something um, because I, I think it's Mark Cuban who said there's plenty of great ideas out there there's just not enough people who will actually follow through with anything and I think that's very true I talk to kids who work for me and I'm like what are your what are your ideas and they'll have some really great ones and I'm like hey, what do we need to do how can we help how can we get you going and it's just like I don't want to do it I just want to go to college and do this you know thing <laughs> and so that's fine you know but I think that there's something really great about being young and not tied down and not having any major, you know, people who, if you don't bring home food, they starve, you know, that, that's that great little place there right out of college or during college where you can afford to fail. And so if you can, you know, you have an idea, one, don't be scared to tell people. I feel like for me, as an entrepreneur, as people who have ideas, it's really scary to, to tell someone because they might A, laugh at you, or say it's stupid, or say it's dumb, or maybe you're afraid they're gonna steal your idea. Trust me, no one's gonna steal your idea, I promise. <laughs> um, and and, uh, and so, so it's a little intimidating, and it's kinda like that casting your pearls before swine, you know, scripture in the Bible, where you, you, you don't wanna do that because you care about it. Um, I told my roommate when I was in college my freshman year, I said, I think I'm gonna do this. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I had, I had my logo developed and I made it in Photoshop and it was horrible. Um, but, uh, but you took imperfect action. Yeah, huh? I did, I did. And, I, and he goes, what are you gonna call? I go, Josh's Snow Shack. And he goes, that's a dumb name. No one's gonna go to that. <laughs> and I was like, whatever, man, it's gonna be awesome. And so, um, and so I'll see him. I see him about every few years. I'll randomly run into him. But it's just funny because I told someone who was a fairly close friend and he was like, I don't get it, that's dumb. And, and I think you're gonna have that happen. Um, but if you tell people that you care about and people who you think can bring value to your ideas, uh, you have to, because I've grown so much. I have a really good friend who, who we've become close for the last two years or so, and I know my business would not be what it was had we not become friends. And he's an entrepreneur, he's built some really great stuff, he's a serial entrepreneur, he's amazing. But 
I think he would say the same thing. I would not be the person I am or the boss I am had we not started interacting. And so you need those people in your life. So if you have a really great idea, tell someone, tell a couple people. And if it's a horrible idea, then find out as fast as you can. I think the, um, the, the, the theme in Silicon Valley is fail fast and fail cheap because you know, there's so many ideas out there and so many apps and all these different tech things that you want to do. So for me, I, I like to carry that. If I'm going to do something, I want to fail as quickly as possible at it so I don't waste a lot of time doing it. So I've had ideas that just never became anything. So I'm like, ah, oh, it's crap. <laughs> don't do it. And so, uh, so yeah, but you tell people um, and, and start really going for it. And if you don't have everything figured out, that's okay. Um, I definitely didn't. I mean, Seriously, if you saw 2005, 2006 Josh's Snow Shack, you'd be like, this place is a piece of crap. <laughs> um, and it was, but it was mine and I loved it. Yeah. And so, um, so all that to say is I think like, uh, I think, you know, doing, doing something, going for it is always, is always really a good idea. And, and, you know, asking people to help you is, is really, really valuable. Um, we just don't like to ask people for help, but when we do, I think we see a lot of good results. So um, that's my big advice. And if you are, you know, married and you want to start something and you got kids who rely on you, you know, there is that element like it's cliche, but you have to do a side, you have to do a side hustle almost like yeah. you got to start building it and building it and building it. And hopefully it takes over um, what, what to become something you really, really do want to do. So, um, so that's probably my biggest piece of advice that I feel like worked for me when I was young and, um, and I'm very, very lucky to have started this when I was 19 because I look back and think if I was where I am now and it was like, you're going to start snow cone stands, it'd be really, really hard. Yeah. And I, I don't think I could do it. And, and, and so, um, so, yeah, I think starting young is always, always helpful. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's never too late, too, for yeah, other things. absolutely. Well, real quick, how, how do they connect with Josh's? Um, how do they find you guys? If you go to, I mean, if you Google Josh's Snow Shack, even if you misspell it with a W, um, it'll pop up. It's always the top thing. Uh, we have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, our Instagram and Snapchat. Instagram, the main thing there is like we want to we wanna post pic. We try to promote bands. We try to promote summer, and that's our two things that we do on Instagram. So if you like bands and you like summer, then go check that out. Um, but our website has all that information, so just Google Josh Snow Shack or type it in .com and you're good. Well, so. we'll put that in the show notes as well. Listeners, cool. remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.